When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, after nearly three months of football without a uh, out of defeat to talk about, and with all their national championship hopes still very much intact, the Ohio State Buckeyes fell on Saturday in rather frustrating fashion in the rivalry game. They had not lost a rivalry game quite that bad since the mid-70s at home. And there's an awful lot to unpack. We're going to try to do our best for you as we play Monday morning quarterback here. It's our What We Learned show about Ohio State and Michigan coming up next. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Monday morning in Columbus feels a little bit different than I think we all hoped as Ohio State sits at 11-1, and and they will not have a chance to play in the Big Ten Championship game this week, nor will they have a chance to uh, have a, a resume with, frankly, their biggest win on it uh, after losing in fairly spectacular fashion at home. Let's just call it like we see it. 45-23, the final score as Ohio State fell to Michigan on Saturday. I'm Brendan Gulick along with Craig Heisen. Thanks for supporting the show all year. And we've still, uh, certainly still got lots of coverage planned for you, uh, especially over the next month as we build up to whatever Ohio State's future is, whether that is a spot in the college football playoff or perhaps if that's, uh, you know, simply just playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game, maybe uh, another trip to Pasadena this year. But we'll continue to cover the Buckeyes as best we can for you and try to give you some content that will uh, – one, hopefully you enjoy it, but two, hope uh, make you think about what uh, you know our, our, our perspective is, the Buckeyes, and, and how that might line up with yours. Craig, um, that sucked. I, I don't really even know where else to start, buddy. That was uh, that was really really disappointing. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out the the best place to start about what we learned from this game, and I, I guess I'm just disappointed that. When Ohio State swung early and, and and Michigan absorbed it, then Michigan goes out and says, okay, it's our turn to try to take control of this game. Ohio State could not absorb it at all, and they crumbled, and the second half was pretty ugly. They did, and disappointed you just said it. That's the word I was thinking Saturday. Kind of as we're riding home from the game, my dad and I were talking all about it, obviously, and Kind of reminded me growing up, I'm sure you never heard this from your parents because you were a great kid, Brendan, but <laughs> when your parents say, hey, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Yeah. That says it all right there. It says more than if your parents just came out and said, hey, I'm I'm pissed at you. You know, it's when they're disappointed in you, you know you messed up. And that's how Worst. Buckeye Nation feels uh, still today, Monday morning. They're, we're disappointed. I don't know what happened in the second half. Um, because there were glimpses in that first quarter, especially where 
Ohio State was controlling the line of scrimmage, something that did not happen really at all in last year's game. So it's like, hey, we might be on to something here. But you could almost feel in the crowd Saturday a nervous energy after that first quarter when it it looked and felt, and by the stat sheet too, we dominated that first quarter and it was only 10 to 3. And you could kind of feel uh, a nervous energy in the stadium from that point. I just don't understand how you can spend 365 days all year reliving what happened last year and thinking about how you're going to write a different chapter, right? I mean, Ohio State had not been out physicaled by anybody in, in, in the last few years the way they were against Michigan in Ann Arbor last year. And, and Ohio State took it on the chin. And, and I think Mickey Marotti beat the crap out of those kids this year and did everything they had to do to try to, quote, unquote, toughen them up. And so I, I just sit here and think to myself, all right, if that's what they did all off season and during the season, and they constantly talk about the rivalry and all the, all the attention that it deserves, how could that be your, your, your performance? How could that be the product on Saturday? So either, you know, whatever they did wasn't enough or address the wrong problems, or, or maybe the problems couldn't be addressed in one off season, which is an even more alarming thought. Um, and, and as I've taken a little bit of time here post game now to try to come away with this, I think Ryan day gets it. I don't think Ryan day is the wrong coach for this team or that he's not capable of understanding what the rivalry is, you know, Tressel and and even Fickle, who I know got dealt a bad hand and now suddenly seems to have been dealt a very good hand up in Madison. We'll talk about that. Um, and, and Urban Meyer, I mean, they they got it, right? They're Ohio born, they're Ohio bred, and they understand what this rivalry is. There's a reason this rivalry is different than other rivalries around the world. There is a hatred in this rivalry. And I certainly am not saying that if you're not born in Ohio that you can't understand it. But there is something to be said for people who grew up in Ohio hating Michigan and, frankly, the other way around. That's what fuels this thing. That's what makes it different. Ryan Day's obviously not an Ohio native, but I, I don't think that has prevented him from understanding this rivalry. So that first and foremost, I am not a proponent of fire Ryan Day, let's move on and find a different coach. I don't think that's the answer. I also don't necessarily think that it's a problem of you have too many kids that are not from the state of Ohio and that maybe they don't understand the rivalry. I don't I don't think that's the problem here either because if you look at what Urban Meyer did, his recruiting footprint was national. I mean, yeah, they, they won their own backyard, but they had a heck of a lot of kids over a, a long period of time of success in the rivalry had a lot of really good players that weren't from, from Ohio. So I don't think that inherently that's the problem either. Um, I, I, I'm coming back to a style of play. This sounds so obvious because of the relationship Ryan Day has with Chip Kelly, but I literally heard someone like that bluntly say Ryan Day's Chip Kelly. And and 
And it hit me in a different way, thinking about what Ryan Day does with with the way he likes to play the game and with how Chip Kelly likes to play the game. And it just it just clicked. It's a new era style of football. It's fast. It's flashy. It's pass heavy. It wins a lot of games. It it would not necessarily work in the old fashioned Big Ten. I know I'm kind of going on a long soliloquy. No, I I get what I get what you're getting at too. And you remember back to those Oregon teams that were very good under Chip Kelly. That was the knock on them, and now it's it's the knock on Ohio State that they're finesse and a soft team, and they can't control the line of scrimmage when they go up against a team that on the other side is just as talented as them. Um, so that I see your point because that's if you remember back to those good Oregon teams that that's what everybody was saying across the country about them. And and look, I think Ohio State is built to win the college football playoff. If you dropped Ohio State in the SEC right now today, I'm telling you they'd be a double digit win team mm-hmm. every year. They would compete for an SEC title every season. I I don't have a, a sliver of a doubt in my mind because of the way this roster is built. But there are not many teams in the country that have enough talent to match Ohio State blow for blow and can play a physical style to wear them down. And so there were a few games this year, especially in the second half of the year, that maybe made you a little bit nervous, right? We didn't feel great about the way the team rushed against Iowa or Penn State. Obviously, the weather was a huge factor against Northwestern, but that was pretty frustrating. Um, the Maryland game was way too close. You know, there were some moments here the last month and a half that that you kind of walked away feeling a little uneasy, but the reality is you were a substantially more talented team than everybody you played except for Penn State, who I, I would say you're a more talented team, but maybe not substantially more. Penn State's very good. So maybe you cover up a lot of those mistakes and, and against Michigan where they want to play a style of football that is, it's a, it's a street fight that has some rules to it, right? You got to have some dudes that you feel like I, you know, if push came to shove, I want this guy in my corner because if we get in a street fight, that guy's got my back. You know, it, it's it's a there there is you can be that way without headbutting a guy on the sideline. You can figure out a way to not do stupid stuff and cost your team penalty yardage while still having a rawness, a, a warrior mentality to you. And I don't think Ohio State's far away from that. They've got guys on this roster that you want: Tommy Eichenberg, Mike Hall, Cade Stover. Chip Trainum, you know, Mayan Williams. I mean, there, there are, I, I could name probably at least a dozen guys that I think really fit that. Yep. But there are some that I'm not sure about. And, and I think, you know, I wrote about this yesterday on, on BuckeyesNow.com. You, you need more than like a couple dozen dudes to win your rivalry mm-hmm. game. It's got to be top to bottom on your roster. Yeah, and part of part of toughness to me, at least in my definition of what I think tough is, is being disciplined when it's maybe tough to be disciplined. So you could kind of see after each some of the plays Saturday, Michigan guys were kind of 
I'm sure saying stuff, Ohio State guys would always be the first one to push them or first one. And we saw it with G. Scott, and not to point the finger at him, but you could kind of see that uh, under the surface all year long on all the special teams. He always was the last one off the field, always had something to say. If there was a little pushing and shoving, he was always right there in the middle of it, and it came to a head on Saturday. Um, and to me, that's kind of the point in the game. Obviously, one play doesn't doesn't determine the outcome of the game, but man, it, you could feel the tide really turn when Ohio State uh, had that first and thirty-five after those those penalties. Yeah, I mean that was um, that was brutal, you know. And and then to come out and and run on that first play, like if it works, okay. But man, when that doesn't work, right? What are you doing? Yeah, the the most peculiar play call to me was Saturday was pitching it to chip train him on third and three. I mean, no, no defense to, or no, no offense to, to chip, but I mean, at that point in the game, he was a linebacker three weeks ago. He's probably your fifth or sixth best option you have on Saturday and they go to him and then punt on fourth and three. That was tough to swallow with the offense that you have. You need to go for that. And more so, you need to run a better play on third and three and get the ball to one of the playmakers and and not hopefully via screen pass because I think all of Buckeye Nation is sick of seeing our screen game this year. It clearly does not work. It doesn't work up front blocking it. It doesn't work once guys catch it. Um, there There is no Paris Campbell type player on this team that really excels or KJ Hill that really excels at those screen type plays. So. But yeah, the third and three call and the pitch and chip was was peculiar to say the least. I, I I don't have a problem so much with getting him the ball. I I really like training him and actually don't mind that he came back to the offensive side of the ball. I've seen enough from him, um, you know, it, when he was a high school player to know that he can really play. It, it's not just high school football. Um, and honestly, he might be one of the strongest five guys on the team. People don't realize. How how unbelievably strong that kid is, and you saw a couple of runs where he really had some bursts. He looked he looked great for not really getting a chance all year. He he yep. ran really hard, broke a lot of tackles. Yep. He looked really. I'm excited to see him play in the and if what it looks like it's going to be the Rose Bowl. I'm sure we'll get into that this week. What what the yeah. future looks like in terms of the playoff. But if it is the Rose Bowl, I'm very excited to see Chip Tran get another game at running back. So there's a comment here from Sage Ohio. I love his coaching style. It's called 2022, and we've got great conversation going in our in our comment section right now. Look, Sage, I I get it. It's fun to watch, and largely I like it too. It's explosive. It's entertaining. You know, you you think about the talent we have at a lot of the skill position players. It features ways to get a lot of those guys the ball. I'm good with that, but it you can't look at this rivalry right now and not admit that there's a problem with that style of play because two years ago, Jim Harbaugh almost got run out of Ann Arbor. He might be a weirdo. He might be a really strange dude. Okay. But he's a pretty good football coach. He was on the doorstep of winning a Super Bowl, And two years ago, he went back to his roots and said, you know what? We're going to, we're just going to run the ball. We're going to be a smash mouth team that plays power football with a bunch of tight ends and some big, mean, ugly linemen and come stop us. Cause that's what the big 10 is. That's how I grew up playing football. I won't, I'm going to go back and install my brother's defense and we're going to see what happens. And from that point forward, they're like 24 and two. Um, 
and they might win some ugly games, but they're winning. And for whatever reason, Ohio State, with all the recruiting rankings in the world, they have not been able to match that level of physicality. So I'm not saying Ryan Day needs to completely rip up the script and start over from a from a style perspective. They've got to figure out a way to make sure that they are able to do both. I don't know if Ohio State I, – I, I talked with a coach um, who brought up a great point in recruiting – I don't know if Ohio State is always in the right recruiting battles for certain kids. If you look at the rankings, you get all the stars. You get, I mean, look at the guys that are coming in. The incoming class has some exceptionally talented players, including guys at skill positions. Brandon Innes and Noah Rogers are right at the top of the list, two of the best receivers in the country in, in high school this year, and they're coming in. Um, and Carnell Tate as well. You know, those are three of Ohio State's top five recruits coming in. There's no reason to think there's going to be a drop-off at wide receiver. Um, Luke Montgomery on the offensive line, they're really banking on Luke being that guy. Jason Moore on the defensive line, certainly going to be an important player. Josh Padilla out of uh, Wayne in, in Dayton. You know, I I don't know if Ohio state is filtering appropriately every time, which kids are tough enough that just like, I, I, I think about Tommy Eichenberg, Tommy Eichenberg doesn't want one iota of attention. He doesn't want one NIL dollar. He doesn't, he doesn't want anything other than to play football where he grew up in this state because he loves playing football. He played for a high school coach that that taught him the right way, that got him focused on the right things. And and Tommy comes from a football family. Like he's a rare breed. And I I think Ohio State needs to find more guys that are football first, second, third, and fourth mm-hmm. in in a locker room that is probably a bit more like an NFL locker room right now because guys are sitting there and they're a little more interested in some of the other business deals, right? There, there are guys that aren't paying for their cars. There are guys that are wearing fancy suits. There's guys that have some serious cash in the bank. I I don't have a problem with name image and likeness. I was a proponent of it. There's no guardrails to it. And unfortunately, as soon as you institute the ability for for guys to make some money off themselves, that's going to become a distraction, not not necessarily for when it first started for that class, as much as it becomes the conversations with all of the recruiting classes going forward. And Ohio State has has to be extremely careful about are we recruiting guys that are fitting what we want here in, as a football player and all that other stuff's going to come or are we bringing guys in that are going to be a little distracted by some of the other opportunities? They've largely gotten it right, but maybe you they make, haven't always gotten it right. Yeah, you make a lot of great points. And we were talking before uh, we started, we, we shared a lot of the same sentiments, so I won't repeat a lot of the things you just said. But one thing I think about in recruiting that if a family or the player – 
itself, one of their first questions out of their mouth when you go for a recruiting visit is, hey, what NIL opportunities do you have for me if I were to come to your school? I'm looking the other way. I'm going to go to a different player. I, that is not one of the first questions that should be coming. And that's a, to me, that's a red flag. I mean, recruiting is a lot like dating. You're going to try to find red flags <laughs> in kids and, and in and families um, and why you don't want to bring that kid onto campus. Um, and that would be one of them if I was a coach, because to me, that just shows I want to hear more questions about scheme, offense, coaches, you know, what's practice look like all the football talk and that the money will come because if you're not, if you're not a good player on the field and you're not getting your NIL deals. So first you got to win and you got to care about football. So, and the rest of that stuff will come. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a problem for Ohio state um, because of the large platform that the players have uh, those opportunities are going to present themselves. You just got to hope that the, your team stays as engaged in football as they once were before uh, NIL came along. Um, and you're hearing rumblings across the country, Alabama in particular, that there's been some former players that didn't have those NIL opportunities that are saying, hey, these kids, these kids don't care as much about losing as they used to because they got a ton of money in the bank. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I you know, I go back and I even just look at like what some of the former players have said in the last 48 hours. Go look on social media. It ain't pretty, man. It is it is there are, not that, there are a lot of guys that are pretty pissed that Michigan planted the flag at Ohio Stadium. Yeah, so C. Grant, Garyon Conley, uh, Darren Lee, all Troy very Smith. vocal. Yeah, Troy Smith. Those four really, really the most vocal on Twitter, tweeting all day. Now Maurice Claret had his had his run on on Sunday, even going as far as saying he wants to be the defensive coordinator moving forward. But um, but yeah, these guys were, these former players were pissed, rightfully so. Uh, C. Grant said that uh, if he was on the team, he would have been suspended indefinitely after he saw that flag get planted at midfield. But, you know, NIL, we'll, we'll see uh, over the course of time how this truly plays out. I mean, we're in the um, early stages of this, uh, so hopefully... Uh, it doesn't get it doesn't get any worse with these. Well, kids and, and look, man. I mean, when like, you think about what you know, it, it it doesn't it doesn't mean that you need to have a bunch of like bad dudes. Okay, mm -hmm. I I want to like draw that distinction there because I, I think you can even look to from a coaching perspective. Ur, you know, Urban Meyer and Jim Tressel had an extremely similar success rate in this rivalry. They took it seriously they're two vastly different human beings. And, you know, I, I am, I, I appreciate what urban Meyer accomplished here. In fact, I even tweeted it the other day. I think I appreciate him as a football coach now as much as I ever have, because I mean, you, you go back and watch what he said pregame. It was exactly what he said needed to needed to happen in order for Michigan to win. And the breakdowns were spot on for where Ohio State struggled. Um, and when you combine that with his attitude around this game, it's it's a lifestyle. He he understands the rivalry. He's a controversial dude, and he's not a great guy. Okay, and and I I don't think that's a controversial take. Um, Jim Tressel is a the consummate gentleman. He he is the kind of coach that every guy in America would want to play for. But Coach Trussell understood this rivalry, and he made that very clear from day one. 
So I'm not saying that as an Ohio State fan, you need to be cheering for this team to to bring out a bunch of a bunch of like shady characters that are going to play, you know, outside the boundaries of what what is okay to play within the game. You just have to figure out a way to bring in guys that that have a certain level of toughness. You know, is it is it a generational thing? Are kids softer now in general than they've been? Maybe you know, maybe maybe kids have been coddled in ways that that they weren't even 10 years ago. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that Ohio State didn't put the work in. I don't think that this team doesn't care. I don't. I mean, you, you watch the way they played in the first half. They swung first and they swung hard. You know, it, it's not like they were less talented than Michigan and they just couldn't figure it out. Um, the reality is, if you don't give up four touchdowns of 69 yards or more, we're talking about a different game. It, it was a big play game. And to me, the biggest difference is some really conservative play calling in instances where Ryan Day has almost historically always been aggressive. And I don't understand that. And and then and then second, just flat out defensive breakdowns. I mean, it you, know, you, you can't give up long plays like that. We now have a track record of enough big games where Ryan Day almost has Jacqueline Hyde type thing going on. Um, in the big games, he has not been as aggressive as his, as a, a normal regular season game. And I don't know if that's the opponent he wants to play more field position game, but those fourth and threes in, in normal, normal regular season games, Ryan Day has gone for that. And you see the offense begging to go for that Saturday, CJ Stroud, was danger on the field still when they punted it. <laughs> he was begging so hard. It's a, it, something is, I don't know what, Ryan Day obviously is never going to admit that he's not as aggressive. Um, but I think the play calls speak for themselves in, in these bigger games that he is more concerned about playing a field position battle. And just going back to the game Saturday, I'm seeing a lot of comments come in right now about uh, CJ running the ball. We kind of – Obviously, we've seen all year, CJ does not run the ball. Um, he had to against Northwestern because of the weather. But you saw Michigan. At halftime, Michigan had 10 rushing yards. J.J. McCarthy really wasn't using his feet in the first half. What changed in the second half? He started using his feet. That opened it up for Donovan Edwards as well. So just the threat of the quarterback um, running is huge, in my opinion. Uh, it's really changes college football. Honestly, if you look at the best teams, um, they're all the quarterbacks are on. Um, yeah, it's hard to defend guys that, that are mobile for sure. It's so that, that changed. And so you look at what was the biggest difference between first and second half when Ohio state did a really good job against the run and something they didn't do in 2021 at all. And it's JJ started using his feet and we saw what, how it all snowballed from there. I also have two other things I definitely want to address here. Yeah. Um, I might be in the minority here. I had a problem with Ronnie Hickman on Tuesday saying that, yeah. hey, this is my last game in the shoe. I I just thought that, like, for me, that's out of bounds. Even if you know in your heart that that's the case, I don't think – when you're playing in a game of this magnitude, Ronnie, this was the biggest game of your life. And I, I think Ronnie's a good kid. You know, he's been really good to the media 
during his time. He, he's spoken with us a lot. Why, why are you talking about your personal future when you're about to play the biggest game your team has ever played? I, I, I was just so taken aback by that. You know, you can express your gratitude at another time. You can, you can put the attention on yourself at another time. It's not why Ohio State lost the game, but like, to me, that's the kind of thing I sit there and think about from a culture perspective. When you're about to play the toughest game on your schedule and the game that means the most in this program, you have to be team focused with every ounce of your being. And, and that just didn't feel like a team thing for me. I, I wasn't I wasn't in on that. Yeah, it's I'm, I feel the exact same way. It's something that that question you just need to answer. Hey, I haven't given it any thought. You know, it's it's something we'll address at the end of the season. And you saw how CJ was asked it right after the game, right after, you know, a crushing loss. And he handled it the right way and, and how you would hope your quarterback would. Really, there was two things said throughout the week and after the game. The Ronnie Hickman thing didn't sit well with me either. And then just the CJ, and I love CJ, neither of these losses against Michigan were on him at all. I thought he played great, threw great balls all day Saturday. A lot of, had numerous drops again. Um, really the only play that CJ made, in my opinion, that you wish he had back was the little flip. He tried to get to Xavier Johnson that kind of, put the game on ice when that got intercepted. But, um, you know, he answered it. Hey, I haven't thought about it. Just thankful for my time here at Ohio State. Thankful for everybody. Even thank the reporters for for their time and how they covered him and the team. Um, but when he said that one game doesn't define this team, it might not be one game that does, but it's certainly a couple. Um, and it, to it, me, no, it, it is. I, I, I'm going to cut you off, game. man. It is one game that does yeah. define you, and and right. that's the other part of this, man. Like I love CJ. I love yeah. him. He's a great kid. He's humble. He he, you know he he. Everybody associated with the program says the right things about CJ. He works hard. You know he he is a great teammate. Um. CJ talked about how he didn't leave any stone unturned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Like he, he did and said everything that you should do and say leading up to this game, he's got a, a ton of talent for, for the first time I actually said to myself, walking out of that press conference, does he get it? Yeah. This game defines you period. This yeah. is what Ohio state football is. I don't care if you think that's unfair. That's a different question. Yep. You chose to come to school here. You chose to be the quarterback in a rivalry that is bigger than anything else with the pressure and expectation and stakes that are borderline unfair. You chose that. So for you to then say one game doesn't define us is ridiculous. You can't take that stance, right. period. And there's one guy you got to ask to see if it does define you, and that's John Cooper. He had a lot of success. He didn't beat Michigan. He got fired. So it's it does define you that one game. I get what he was saying. He I just don't think CJ used the right words that he wanted to at that time. It, I I think CJ does understand the magnitude of of this game and what it means that you have you can lose every other game, but you got to win this one. I think he does get that. I just, at the time. 
a lot of emotion going through. I just think he can't maybe misspoke or used the wrong words. And, I think he and, does. And that, yeah. And I, and I said that when I wrote about it yesterday, like maybe he slipped because he also yeah. said a lot of the right things. Yeah. he And he did. And he always does. He's, but yeah, that at that point, at that time, hearing that after the game, that was tough to hear. That I mean, look, nobody in Ohio State <laughs> thinks that CJ's coming back next year. No. Everybody in the world thinks he's going to go to the NFL. He probably should. He's going to be a first round pick. I don't know if he's going to be the number one or you know a top five pick. I mean, some of that depends on which teams are picking where and do they have quarterbacks and you know are trades made. Like that, that's a conversation for another day. But there's nobody's going to disagree on the fact that he's a first round pick. He's going to make a lot of money, and and he has shown in a lot of ways that he's ready for the NFL. So I, I don't I don't discount the fact that that's the case, and and maybe we saw him play for the last time. I also hated that that question was asked of him. Yeah. I, I don't I don't like that in the emotional moment of of that post game press conference that CJ was asked, "Hey, did we just watch you play for the last time in a Buckeye uniform? Would you play in a bowl game?" gives a crap let let him answer questions about this game and let's give this game the attention and respect that it deserves and let's ask questions later about what his future looks like i thought that was a stupid question at the time because then you put him in a position where he's got to say something that maybe he shouldn't say not the time or not the time or the place for that one yep hey uh got a question here from brady i want to make sure we get uh uh, certainly the folks that support us this way, uh, a chance to ask their questions. So Brady says, Ryan Day's offense is so much more effective with a mobile quarterback. Look at the offense three years ago. It opens a style of playbook, no flexibility right now. Look, I, I think there's a there's something to be said for that. And I don't know how much a part of the conversation it is for Ryan Day. on uh, Do I have a pocket passer quarterback or do I have a guy that can use his legs? CJ obviously can run, you know, Kyle McCord appears to be the heir apparent. Devin Brown certainly going to be in the mix. Um, those are two really athletic dudes. I, I I feel like Ryan Day is a little bit more willing to go after quarterbacks that are really good athletes, but he wants to protect their health. And so that's why CJ didn't run a whole lot, not because he couldn't. Um, he just doesn't want his quarterback to take shots he doesn't have to take because it's the most important position on the field. And and if you look at what Ryan Day's done during his head coaching tenure, CJ Stroud and Justin Fields basically didn't come off the field. Like, didn't really matter what the score is. They played depth at a lot of other positions, but not really that one. Um, certainly not till the game was way out of reach. So I, I think it's more his opinion and his way of saying, look, we're going to protect our quarterback, and I just don't want him to take shots that he doesn't need to, even if he's capable of, of you know, using his legs and picking up yards. You can debate whether or not that's a good thing, but I think that's the strategy there. It, yeah. And I, I just had two more thoughts. I thought you wanted to wrap up here soon, but just two more thoughts from Saturday. Um, just after the bye week or off week, whatever you want to call it, this team was not the same. And I don't know what changed during that week, but just the undisciplined um, penalties that this team had. I mean, you look at uh, the last two games, they almost had 200 yards worth of penalties. That just cannot happen. Uh, You're not going to, especially when you're going up against a team 
like Michigan or a team that's going to, I mean, it almost cost them in the Maryland game. And Maryland's not near as talented as Ohio State. So that, and then the second thought I had leaving Saturday and driving home is uh, Tim Walton and Perry Eliano coaching our corners all year long in secondary. We talked about this multiple times. They never look back for the ball. You look at Michigan Saturday, their corners, their head was turned on long passes. Is that something that Ohio State is coaching? It has to be at this point. You know, we see it all year. It costs them two uh, uh, pass interference calls. The one um, clear as day was pass interference. The Ronnie Hickman one we can debate forever. I thought it was pass interference. But that's just something that I think a philosophy needs to change. We saw it with Kerry Combs, too. He put a lot of great corners in the NFL, but it's something that the last couple of years, I feel like Ohio State's corners never turn back and look for the ball to make a play. And that might explain, too, why an Ohio State corner does not have an interception this year. That's insane to me. You play 12 games and an Ohio State cornerback, starting or otherwise, does not have a single interception. Yeah. I, I don't know how that happens. <laughs> I don't either. Not, not good. So. Um, you know, I don't understand how Denzel Burke could have looked so good as a freshman and and played so inconsistently this year. He had some good moments. It's not like he was garbage, mm -hmm. but gosh, he struggled. And, my, and that was clearly a weak point of the defense. Yeah, that's one of my biggest questions this year uh, is what happened to him. It seems to, to me that uh, from the outside looking in, sometimes he makes some business decisions decisions on some on some hard runs to the edge where he his head should be in there for the tackle and, and it's not. Um, he needs to be much better in the run game uh, next year because hey, in the NFL, that's something you got to do. So I also had a uh, I personally had a little bit of a problem with the fact that Mike Hall was on the field as infrequently as he was. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not at practice. I don't know what Larry Johnson sees in the defensive lineman right now. The rotation didn't make a ton of sense to me. I thought Hamilton was out there too often. You know, Mike Hall looks like the best interior defensive lineman on this team, and I don't know why he hasn't been on the field more regularly. I, I hope that's something that they can address. Uh, you know, yeah, but should have addressed a while ago, but. One question for you, Brendan, as we're wrapping up. Do you think – maybe we can get into this um, this week. Do you think there are any changes or even major changes that are made this offseason? Like coaching staff changes? Coaching staff, strength staff. I, like I think the only two that I would personally look at would, would be on the defensive line. It wouldn't surprise me if, if they decided that, okay – we changed everybody else on the defensive staff last year and uh, didn't get enough out of the physicality perspective on the defensive line that we needed to in the biggest game. And, you know, coach Johnson, certainly on the back end of his coaching career. Um, I'm not saying that the guy needs to be fired, but I think that's an area that Ohio state could look to make a change. I don't think you're going to change anybody else in the defensive staff. Um, and, you know, I, I have no idea what the situation is with coach Marathi. He had been lauded as the best strength coach in the country from the moment that he got here. And most of the time that is proved to be the right, you know, the right decision. I'm not going to go after coach Marathi, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if there are some people looking around and saying, Hey, why, why weren't we tough enough or physical enough? And sometimes you look at your strength coach. 
I also think if Coach Marotti was let go at Ohio State, there's about 300 schools in the country that would want to pick him up tomorrow. Um, so I, I don't know that that's necessarily a problem either. Again, I, I think it was more of a stylistic thing. Um, and I thought the effort in the second half of the fourth quarter dropped. And I think that's why the score got to the point that it did. Um, the only thing, the only other thing I'll say today is that I, I, of course, I want Ohio State to make college football playoff. I think they are one of the best, you know, four most talented teams in the country for sure. I don't think they deserve to go and they still might get in. It's kind of a weird thing to be sitting here saying after watching what we did on Saturday that I don't think they deserve it because what they showed on Saturday was not good and, and really did not impress. Um, but I don't think USC and TCU are both going to win on Saturday. And if one of them stumbles, Ohio State very well might get in. I've seen some crazy things on social media and on ESPN in the last 24 hours. ESPN's playoff predictor says Ohio State is an 88% chance to get in the playoff. I need to talk to the guy that comes up with the formula to determine Come those on. percentages. I have a lot of Ooh, questions wait. after reading that. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I don't get it. I, 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 I said it earlier. Ohio State's roster is built to win the college football playoff. If they get in, they might win the whole thing. They're good enough to do it. They've been good enough to do it the whole year. But I don't know that they deserve that chance. They might get in anyways. Deep in my heart, I hope they do. I'd love to, I'd love to go cover playoff games. It's a lot of fun. But um, I, I have a hard time internally feeling like they really deserve it after we saw on Saturday. So we'll see. Maybe it'll be a trip to Pasadena. Maybe it'll be a different bowl game. Um, or maybe they'll be still headed to, to Phoenix or Atlanta. And uh, as odd as it could be, you know, maybe they're going to have a second crack at Michigan. And maybe things will be different. There's a lot of maybes here, right? <laughs> maybe is. they get the chance to do what has previously been unthinkable and they get a, a second crack at Michigan a few weeks later. That How yeah. wild that would be. Um, maybe they change things enough and, and write a different story. I don't know. Um, I am not a big fan of that part of how college football is changing, but it is what it is. And my opinion is not going to change the fact that things are changing around the country. Um, and if they get that chance, I hope they make the most of it, but we'll, uh, we'll have to see if that comes to fruition or not. Yeah. So. And it just, it just stinks that the last, what could be the last, in my opinion, is the last big game with everything riding on it, Ohio state, Michigan, that Ohio state had this performance. Cause like you said, the landscape of college football is changing. This game's always going to be super meaningful, um, but it's just going to be prolonged and and which one matters because when they go away from divisions, Ohio State and Michigan are likely going to be playing twice in a year. So that first one, if if this was a three years down two years or three years down the line, Saturday's game is literally meaningless when they know they're going to play in Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game. So it yeah. almost turns into kind of a practice, like you even play your starters, which is crazy to think about an Ohio State-Michigan game, you know, but if they were playing next weekend in, in Indy, like how serious did you would you have taken last Saturday? Uh, if, it, if it would have come down to that, honestly, I almost would have rather said, let's just not even play. It doesn't matter. Right. Let's, let's not let's put anything on film and, and, yeah. Let's go, you know. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll play one game. If you know you're playing again the following week, um, 
I, I don't know, man. It's college football is changing in a lot of ways that I don't necessarily like. It's also finally changing in some ways that I do like. Um, it's just going to take some getting used to. That's for sure. And, um, you know, while these two teams continue to be the top two in the conference, they are, you know, they're going to be in positions most likely to, to keep winning Big Ten championships. Um, but what's really frustrating right now is that there really is no debate about it after what we've seen two years in a row. Ohio State is not the best team in the Big Ten. They are not the bully in the conference. They are not the team that people are scared of anymore the way they once were. Uh, maybe other teams not named Michigan are are scared of Ohio State because they can't keep up with their their speed and their style. But Michigan is not afraid of Ohio State anymore, and they are the bullies of the conference right now, and they showed it two years in a row, especially with a 22-point win um, in Columbus. They have not won in Columbus like that since the mid-'70s. It was uh, – that was pretty embarrassing. I don't know how Michigan fans have done this the last 10 years because this feeling on a Monday morning is terrible after just two awful. years. Yeah. <laughs> so. it, is, it is awful. All right. Uh, we'll put a wrap on it for today, but we got a lot more conversation like this to get to throughout the course of the week, and we certainly hope you'll join us again. Um, you know, it, it's a weird holding pattern for Ohio State right now. There's no media availability this week. So we're not going to be in the building. We're not going to have a chance to talk to Ryan Day or, or the players. Um, they're not getting ready for a game. And I think until we have some clarity around which bowl game Ohio State's going to go to, uh, there's not going to be a, a chance for the media to go into the Woody. So um, we'll share all the latest news and info with you, as we always do, on BuckeyesNow.com. Uh, you can please uh, please subscribe to this YouTube channel and, and let us know what you think about the show. We'll certainly try to give you the best coverage we can here leading up to whatever ball game or college football playoff appearance that Ohio State has in front of it. For Craig Heisen, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for hanging out with us for a bit this morning. We had a great audience and uh, a really good conversation in our uh, in our comment feed as well. So thanks for joining us, and I uh, look forward to seeing you again here in the next couple of days as the week rolls on. Ohio State, wait to see what's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks. <laughs>